I'm Casey. And I'm Olivia. And for many years, and by many I mean like two or three, uh, I've been looking for a way to kind of preach this and I, I recently, recently found my intro to it. Um, we've talked about this before, but we've never really dived into it. It's uh, the concept of the angel of the Lord in the Bible. So we're just going to devote a lot of time to getting into that concept today, but then liken it to Christmas, which is, that's what I've been looking for for years, to find a way to, to really kind of hit on this more in a Christmassy kind of way. Um, so you guys have heard about this topic a lot, so help me remember some of the ways in which we, we see the angel of the Lord living out this identity as we go along, but I'll start by explaining. In the Old Testament, there is a being called the angel of the Lord. This is not an angel of the Lord. And that's a lot of times the way that we read it in the Old Testament. We just see the angel of the Lord showed up. So it's not like a child. It's like the child. Sure. Okay. Whatever. So <laughs> I had so, to throw in that joke somewhere, okay? Well, this is, this is a thing throughout uh, um, the Old Testament is constantly there is the angel of the Lord that shows up. Now, if you're normally reading the Bible, you don't usually catch that. Because when you see the word angel, you don't think of a specific angel. Only because there's only like Michael and Gabriel even mentioned in the Bible by name, right? Well, and Lucifer. Well, sure, but that just means day star. That's Latin for day star. So Lucifer's name in the Bible would have just been day star. <laughs> Michael and Gabriel are like the only angels really mentioned by name in the Bible. So when you think of like an angel of the Lord, you would think like of names, right? But then there is a title specifically given to one angel called the angel of the Lord. And whenever he shows up, he blurs the lines between God and an angel. Because <laughs> like... He'll show up. Angels' jobs are to deliver a message. So he'll show up and like deliver a message from God. And then like someone like Abraham will be like, he'll respond. And then the angel will be like, well, I say to you. And then he'll continue to talk as though he is God. And you're like, why is the angel of the Lord like talking like he is God and can answer on God's behalf? And, and he does this all the time. And he blurs the lines between God and this angel more because someone like Joshua will worship the angel and that's considered fine. Even though like a book like Revelation would like, like really be like, no, you don't worship angels, you know, but like this angel does get worshiped in the Old Testament. And there's just these weird moments where this angel seems to be this like, if the Bible is intentionally leaving you to think, is this angel God? Because every time he shows up, the lines are blurred. Even, okay, so the one of the big moments in the Bible, burning burning bush, right? Mm -hmm. uh, God reveals his name. I am who I am. If you're paying close attention, the angel of the Lord is inside of the burning bush. <laughs> so, again, we're like, wait, whoa, who's... Who's the I am? Like, like, is it the angel or is it God? Like, what, what's happening? So this happens, like, all the time with this angel. Whenever he shows up, we get confused as to if he's God or not. And that's intentional on the Bible author's part. So much so that, like, there actually used to be a thinking in Judaism that God, in a way, had, like, two forms. There was God that you can't see, and then there's 
God that you sometimes can see in this form of the angel. So it's like the vessel that he interacted through. Yeah. So so like that, they had like a binitarianism, bi meaning, you know, like two, that God has almost in, in a sense like these two ways of interacting with us. Now that should sound familiar for Christianity because we have Trinitarianism, right? Where we believe that God is just one person, but in three different ways he interacts with us as three people, you know? The Jews had that kind of thinking too, but once the Trinitarian thinking came around, they understood like, oh, we know what they're doing with Jesus now. Quick, scrap Binitarianism. We don't even want them to like touch that anymore. So like they just like, the Jews kind of like buried that thinking so that no one would start likening Jesus into this new trinity that was coming about. So that being said, um, we know that Jesus has always been around. You know, a lot of times people, if they're not thinking straight, be like, oh yeah, then Jesus was, was finally born into existence. Like, no, the Bible tells us straight up, like Jesus created the world. <laughs> you know, he is God. Jesus has always been around. Uh, John just starts his entire um, message off with that, um, the word became flesh, you know? Uh, the word was another way that God interacted with humanity in a visual kind of way. Like you could almost call the angel of the Lord and the word of the Lord, like the same thing. Like the word of the Lord comes to Abraham in a vision. How does a word come in a vision? <laughs> you know, like, what does that, what does that mean? Obviously the word of the Lord, when it came to Abraham, it was visionarily pictured in some way. So the word of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, those are God, but it's this physical presence of God that sometimes shows up in the Old Testament. I'm still trying to figure out how, like, the word came in a vision. Hmm. I'm thinking like clip art, but that like doesn't fully equate to what I think. You I, need to you need to use it more as like a title, like the word of the Lord came to me. Like you see that happen all the time with the prophets. Maybe they understood that that meant like they visionarily saw God in some way. Uh, the angel of the Lord, the word of the Lord. These are sometimes visionary concepts of God. Sorry, I'm thinking like Clippy popping up and being like, Hi, hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm the word of the Lord. <laughs> Sorry, it's a funny, it's a funny picture in my head. <laughs> well, when you see John say something as audacious as the word of the Lord became flesh and you were thinking, if you are thinking that the word of the Lord was this physical presence of God in the Old Testament, mm -hmm. then what you're thinking is, the angel of the Lord, the word of the Lord, that physical presence of God in the Old Testament uh, became, like, subjected himself to humanity. He's always been around. He's not, like, new birthed in Jesus. Instead, he puts on flesh in that moment and steps into our world. There's other weird stories in the Old Testament where there's clearly a physical presence of God that shows up. You remember that story with God and Abraham? Where they Ab fight it out. Well, that's Jacob. Jacob fights with a man that is an angel. <laughs> like, you know, that that's one moment. But there's another moment where Abraham's just like sitting by a tree. And then God like walks up. He's like, hey, what's up? <laughs> oh, hey, God, how you doing? You're like, what is happening? You know, like, this doesn't make any sense. 
It does if you understand that there's this physical presence of God in the Old Testament that shows up sometimes. Shows up to Samson's parents, shows up to Joshua, shows up to Abraham, and every time he does, the lines get blurry as to who this guy is, <laughs> right? And we know that this guy that keeps showing up isn't God the Father, because being in the presence of God the Father was deadly for humans. Yes, but at the same time, he does seem to be God in a form that they can withstand in that moment. Even Moses, there's this weird passage, right, that says, uh, you cannot see God or you will die. Mm-hmm. And then in like the same chapter says, and then Moses used to meet with God in the tabernacle face to face. You're like, <laughs> get your story right, Moses. You know, but no, that's, that's the point. It's continuing to tell you, you can't see God himself or you will die. But Moses did used to meet with God's physical presence that would sometimes show up face to face. <laughs> like the Bible continually does this. It's not just one moment. It happens all the time. And this that I'm saying right now sounds like a weird, crazy thing we would hear in like a, a place that like just like takes passages and blows them out of like proportion. proportion. But it's not. It happens so much to the point that there are many theologians. Like when I finally heard that people have considered that the angel of the Lord is Jesus before Jesus. I After I finally learned that, I started paying attention to the commentaries I read. Whenever the angel of the Lord shows up, there's so many theologians who are like, this could have been Jesus. I'm like, Really? You all have been thinking, like, this has not trickled down from the theologian world to the church. Like, right. I don't hear about this very often. But it's it's not that uncommon of thinking in, in even scholarly circles. Um, and we see Jesus himself kind of push it. I mean, you remember the passage in John where Jesus tells uh, people, like, Abraham would have rejoiced to see my day. And all the Jews are like, what? You're not, what, 40 years old and you've seen Abraham? Like, that was how long ago? And Jesus is like, before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> right? And like, oh, how dare you? You know, like, but I could not believe he. Now, if Jesus meant like, well, no, guys, I haven't seen Abraham. He would have said that, but he doesn't. Instead, he's like, no, I was there. How was he there? He was in the bush. Well, that was with Moses. Oh, dang With Abraham, Abraham talked to the word of the Lord, right? Right. And John has told us in chapter one, who is Jesus? The word became flesh. The word word became became flesh. flesh. And so John, who's already taking this understanding of Jesus, he writes in John, like, Jesus tells them, well, I talked to Abraham. (laughs) What? What do you mean? Well, of course, he's the word became flesh, you know? So like Jesus is like, no, I'm not crazy. I actually am God. <laughs> and of course they think at that point, like you have a demon. Cause in their mind, a psychotic person has a demon and they now think he's, he's losing his mind. Cause he thinks that he's as old as Abraham. And now he thinks he's God, you know? And yet that's exactly what John's trying to tell us. Yeah, he is, you know? Um, but here's, here's my Christmas connection. Because now we're, we're thinking of the angel of the Lord, of this Jesus-like figure being Jesus. Like, where can we find some Christmas connections to kind of work that out? And I think you find it in Isaiah. Well, first off, you also see this. in The, New, the angel of the Lord is a huge character in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Guess how much he shows up in the New Testament? 
He doesn't. He does. He's just gone. <laughs> like, what happened to the angel of the Lord? I think the Bible's trying to tell you, no, he's still there. He's just, we call him Jesus now, you know, like, um, though it's possibly shows up in Revelation, it's very, very hard to understand a few passages, but it's, it's possibly does show up there. Um, I do find it funny that Revelation is usually one of the more difficult books to understand when it's called Revelation. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it'd be called the Apocalypse of John, and Apocalypse is like the revealing of truth. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that it would have to be... I'm just thinking for, for yeah, no, I, from an English standpoint, you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, but... But it is supposed to be the revealing of what's going on behind the curtain of, of history and reality. Uh, but anyways, Isaiah, when it comes to Christmas prophecies, he tells us, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. Like we've heard this, right? Uh, and his name shall be called, and then he gives four names. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And all four of those, in my mind, now that I've understood this angel of the Lord concept a little more, all four of those terms like pop to me in a different way. First off, wonderful counselor. The word wonderful is used in some other places in the Bible. Does anybody know? Yeah. Happens with the angel of the Lord. It's at least used uh, with Samson's parents. When they're like, tell us your name. He's like, what do you want to know my name? It's too wonderful. Like... Mm. That moment right there, you're like, ooh, his name is wonderful. Like, what is his name? You know, like we want to know what his name is. And here we see the same kind of general word, right? He's a wonderful counselor. And you're like, wonderful. We've heard that somewhere to describe someone before. And and not only did you just say that the son is wonderful, but you also said he's mighty God. <laughs> Which I always wonder the people who heard Isaiah say that, like, Isaiah, whoa, dude. You know, like, I would think heresy, man. That's yep. too far, man. Like, you just called this son that's going to be born God himself. What's wrong with you? Like, that would sound to me like the prophets lost it. But he actually goes that far to say that. He's like, he will be mighty God. But hang on a minute. We already know someone who is described as being wonderful. And that someone has always blurred the lines between humanity and God. So, like, if we're thinking, it was like, wait, is Isaiah, like, either being led to describe the angel of the Lord or intentionally means to describe the angel of the Lord? He then calls him everlasting father, which everlasting, like, eternal. Well, angels are these, you know, eternal beings of sorts. And then prince of peace, which prince in the Bible is used to describe spiritual beings sometimes. you got the prince of Egypt, sorry, prince of Greece, prince of... Uh, Persia, uh, those are used in Daniel to describe spiritual heavenly beings. So like these four words aren't just like, in my mind, not just descriptive of like some guy who's going to be born. Ah, he'll be wonderful and mighty and everlasting and a prince. In my mind, all these words are overloaded with spiritual connotations. Yeah. And, and like angel of the Lord connotations, we might even say. So like, they should they should be like making making our, our head go off a little bit. That's not the right phrase. Is that even a phrase? Your spidey senses tingle? 
<laughs> I think that is a phrase, not the one that I think anyone would use. But yeah, it should be making your spidey senses tingle a little bit. <laughs> should make your head spin. Make your yeah, that's what I was looking for. But you you took it another direction, man. Listen, I'm trying to the child, okay? It should be making your head spin until your spidey senses tingle. All right, and once that happens you'll notice something very interesting. So, the um, when the Jews have been exiled and they're living in Rome and everyone speaks Greek, guess what they end up speaking? Greek. Greek. Greek, because if you want to... Like, it's, it's similar in America. If you want to get by easily in America, and this isn't true of every last area of America, but if you want to get by easily in America, it's helpful to know English, right? Uh, even people in other countries, they just sometimes they just study English because they know it might be helpful to them down the road. Um, that's how it was in Rome. Is like if you want to get by easily or you want to have an ease with getting to know, you know, just the the language in their time that is kind of taken over was was Greek. So even though they were Hebrews who spoke Hebrew, they're getting used to Greek. And now that everyone knows Greek they decide they need to translate their scriptures into Greek instead of Hebrew, because that's the one that everybody knows regardless of their age and whatnot. And so they make one translation. Well, I think they might have made a few, but there was one main one. So just like we might have, I don't know, NIV, is that mm -hmm. fairly standard, right? Just as we might say across the board, NIV is kind of the translation. Or King James. Or King James, yeah, for some. Uh, in their time, there was the Septuagint. That was the translation. How do you think they might translate Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father, Mighty God in their translation? No idea. Well, in English, we would try to stay pretty close, at least, right? Because mm -hmm. that's, even if we were trying to, like, capture, unless it's the message, just trying to capture the gist of it sometimes, we would do our best to use words that somewhat resemble it when they translate it into greek here's what they say and his name is called not wonderful counselor not mighty god not everlasting father not prince of peace none of those they just say his name shall be called messenger of the great council <laughs> and if you've paid enough attention messenger in greek is angelos which of course means angel, because angels are messengers. His name shall be called Angelos of the Great Council. Who is, you would imagine, who is the angel of the Great Council? The angel of the Lord. So what was in the, the Hebrews' minds in exile, what was actually in their minds about this child that would prophetically come to be? Mm-hmm. They're almost explicit about it. Like they at least don't think that this is just a a human being. They see it as like a it seems to be like a, another like you know spiritual being. But of the great council, the divine council, it I think and I think what they're saying is the angel of the Lord. <laughs> right. I guess I could be wrong on that, but if they already know this concept that sometimes God shows up in in a form that we can see they just take all four of those words with the ideas that we already have in mind 
they just condense it, like just scratch all of it. <laughs> just put the angel of the Lord, almost as though they're saying like, we know what Isaiah meant, like, right? And so like this, this isn't like a far-fetched idea. You even see it in the mind of the Hebrews of, of Jesus' time. So when we're thinking like, how does God become flesh? It, maybe it's not as like New Testament of an idea as we often push it. God always had this weird way of becoming kind of flesh in the Old Testament where the line was blurred between seeing an angel in person or seeing a man-like person that was God mm-hmm. or seeing the word of the Lord. And then the Bible just tells us like that person of God who always has existed and always is God, he put on flesh and came among us. Among us, you say? Among us, which is not Christmas themed. Which one themed. is the angel of the Lord? Mm. <laughs> Is there an imposter? Anyone who hasn't played Among Us is like, what on earth are they talking about now? What a bunch of nerds. (laughs) Their spidey senses are just tingling all the time. (laughs) Anyways, there's your dive not only into the Angel of the Lord, but a Christmas message that maybe you haven't quite uh, jumped into before. So... turn right with their left turn signal on. My favorite car moment still when me and Casey were in Taylor. <laughs> we like pulled into Taylor, Michigan, get in the parking lot, step out in the church parking lot, and just hear, honk! <laughs> we turn over and this car is driven over, over a stop, a stop sign. sign. Not like hit it and stopped, right. just what? Kind of over. <laughs> like <laughs> we turned around left and just as a bring, bring, Well, no, it, it was bent like this at the <laughs> end, so it was like. <laughs> and then it just drives away, <laughs> and we're like, "Welcome, Taylor, Michigan. All right, let's go worship." <laughs> I was like, what on earth happened, dude? How did you mess that up?